Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. This Bible study was created to reach out to, to his children and to be able to express how much he loves us and that he knows all the burdens that we have and that we carry right now. And he is, he is listening and has heard and is hearing. And even as we sit in this room, as we've prayed, angels go forth before us to do the works of the Lord. Angels are here as ministering spirits to minister to those that would inherit salvation. And we inherit salvation simply by receiving God's Son as our Savior for our sins. Um, I was driving over here this morning, and I turn on the radio, and um, I hope you all know, those that don't know me, um, none of this is planned, (laughs) okay? As a matter of fact, my mom sometimes gets really nervous because she's not sure what I'm going to come out with. But um, I just depend on a good audio editor, and then if I say something that offends you, you can come, and I'll apologize to you later. Um, but I was just thinking just sin, sin. I turn on the radio, you know, and this is happening and that's happening and this is happening. And, and, and it, all of us as human beings, it's like this is the only religion that makes sense to me. I've studied some others and I won't go into all of that. But really the Bible explains us. The Bible explains our personalities. The Bible explains us as human beings and and what we go through on a daily basis and the clarity that Jesus died for us and died for our sins, died for the things that you and I might be thinking right now that we shouldn't be thinking or that you and I might be struggling with right now or maybe we left. I mean, I I like told the people that, that first came in, you know, my youngest wanted to run away this morning and I told them it wasn't convenient and um, that's actually true. And don't be afraid to laugh because that is okay too. As a matter of fact, Elizabeth has a sign that's going to say laugh, applause, <laughs> laugh. We were on the Jenny Jones show one time, Lacey and I were, yeah, in Chicago. I was five months pregnant with um, Maddie. And we kept having friends go, oh my gosh, we're seeing you on TV because I kept rerunning it and rerunning it. And Lacey's in the audience. He was so embarrassed. He was the only man. Anybody know who Jenny Jones is? Or, or, anybody? Okay. Thank you. Someone maybe over 38. Okay, great. Um, we are going to try to keep our shoe on, starting in the beginning. I mean, God has me back to the basics. Back to the basics, but, you know, He teaches us so deeply. And I just, if you've got your Bible, open it to Genesis 1, 26. And it says, God said. And I don't know why more people don't catch this, but look at the plurality of his name. God said, let us. Well, who could that be? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created them. You know, the Hebrew word for God is Elohim, and it's plural. It's plural. And I sound like my husband clearing his throat when I say that, but I'm trying to pronounce it right. 
It's a plural word. And I think that's so interesting that even from the beginning, we can have this plural word said to us for us to know lots of different things. For one thing, that God is a trinity. God is God the Father, God the Son, God is the Holy Spirit. And then he said, let us make man in our image, male and female. So we're made in the image of God. And I believe with all my heart and soul and mind that that is also what makes us plural, three parts. We are a body. We live in a body, I guess I should say. We live in a body on this earth. If, if you don't have a body, you're, you're in trouble, you know. So you live in a body on this earth. Some people like to call it the earth suit or whatever. Um, and then you have a soul, which is like your personality, which is basically made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? So you, you have a body, you have a soul, which is your personality, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's like what, what I think, what I want, what I feel. Kind of like what takes over when we're not really following God very much. Is that what do I want to think? What do I want? What do I feel? What do I think? What do I want? What do I feel? Kind of reminds you of some of your children probably this morning. Um, and then we have what's going to live forever, and that's our spirit. The spirit will live forever somewhere, and it's our choice. Our spirit will live with God or without God, and he gives us that choice. And the hardest thing for us to wrap our brains around, I think, is that why did he give us a choice, <laughs> you know? I mean, if you go back to the beginning, it's like if you hadn't have given these human beings a choice, then we wouldn't have such a problem going on right now. I mean, seriously. And then I think about all of us, you know, please don't. I almost sometimes want to say to God, please don't give me a choice. Just, you know, make me open my Bible. Make me go down on my knees. Make me, you know, and he's not going to make you just like you wouldn't want um, if, if, if I held a gun to Downey's head this morning and I said, Downey, do you love me? Um, she might proclaim her undying love for me with tears running down her face. But I don't think any of you all would be convinced because I'm making her say that. God has a choice because love is always a choice. It's always a choice. It's a minute-by-minute minute choice. It's a minute-by-minute, second-by-second choice. And it's always a choice. And we, we, we have that choice to love our Father. And that's how he receives our, our love is through our choosing him. And we mess up. And it's so good to know that we have forgiveness. We have restoration. We have a God who loves us and who actually will take the worst thing that we've done and the worst thing that's done to us and can make it the best thing that's ever happened. And I'm living proof of that. A lot of you are living proof of that. We need to know that that's true. I mean, seriously. Um, a lot of bad things can happen. Um, I've been through a few things in my, in my short lifetime of 25 years. And, um, excuse me, there was no snicker sign held up um in my short almost 44 years just you know from 
leukemia to death to life to, you know, being fused to metal rods and things in, in our family, things that you've been through, um, you have had lots of things hit you and just know that God says he does restore the years the locusts have eaten. He promises us that. He's not just a forgiving God. He's a restorative God. So here we are. I want to look at Eve just a little bit. And, and, and I want you to just understand that, first of all, they had this great choice to walk and talk Adam and Eve with God. Just any time they wanted. I can't even imagine. Um, in the cool of the day, it said, which is in San Antonio, it's like, what was what's the cool of the day? I don't remember that. But... They had this relationship with God, and they were given the choice to obey him. And if you look in Genesis 1-8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he'd formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden they, thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a help me. And so then he made Eve. So I, I wanted you all to see that chronology. God told Adam... Do not eat of the tree of good and evil. And you know, it, it is a sad day for all of us, even as imperfect parents, when we realize that our young children are understanding how evil the world can be. It's a sad day when we feel that their innocence is lost. Imagine God with these two children of his that were created in his image in the holy spirit's image in jesus's image and imagine him wanting just to protect them he put them in a garden he wanted to protect them they were made to live forever their children were made to live forever then we would live forever and we can live forever with Jesus Christ. But they were made to live forever, just communing with God. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no evil. There was no drugs. There was no alcohol. There were no eating disorders. There was no, all this stuff. I mean, my, my sweet teenage girl mentioned something, and I was like, we're not doing that. I've done that, and we're not doing that, you know. I mean, it just feels sometimes like, Lord, why are we on this earth? Because he loved us so much, he gave us a choice. And he gave them a choice. And it broke his heart. It really broke his heart. And here's what happened. He told Adam, don't eat of the tree of good and evil. And then he made Eve. And he said, I want, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And is it Genesis two twenty four? Thank you. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And that word cleave means cling, keep fast, together, abide, joined. That's a tough call right there. 
because we live in an imperfect world and we make mistakes and the mistakes of others affect us. And that's a tough call right there. And you know what? There's no shame in that not working because even in the Mosaic law, there was room for divorce. And I would never encourage a, a woman who has prayed and prayed and finally had God's guidance to have to end a marriage. But if you're in a marriage and you're um, a wife and you know that you're to be in that marriage, we're supposed to cleave, you know. We're not supposed to leave. We're not supposed to, you know, talk to our mothers when he goes to work on the cell phone and tell them everything he did and why he, you know what I'm saying? So that is important because I think a lot of people don't understand that. And I didn't understand that. I would like my husband a lot better if I didn't talk about him. Because, see, the things that he does in the morning or whatever, if I don't talk about him, I usually forget him. <laughs> it's the things I talk about that I remember. And so cleave to me means also just shut up, you know, and just pray for him and hope that he's praying for you, sister, you know. So verse 25 These two creations of God were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Why weren't they ashamed? They had no idea of evil. Why would naked be bad? They had no conception of evil. Can you imagine if we could raise our children in a world where they would have no conception of evil? Wouldn't that be your greatest desire? where they only knew love and innocence. And I know that was God's greatest desire. And then we want to understand that they were naked and they weren't ashamed. You know, my opinion, this is just my opinion, is that they were covered with the glory of God. And we'll talk more about the glory of God. Moses said, God, God, show me your glory. And and Moses ended up, hearing God say that basically his glory is his mercy. They were covered with the mercy of God. They were covered with the glory of God, and they weren't ashamed. They were clothed with God's glory. And it's like, I don't know, maybe there is another mammal, but I don't know of another mammal that, like us, it doesn't grow its own clothes out of its body. I mean, you know, like a little dog grows its fur, and and a bird grows its feathers, and then there's us. And we have to put on clothes. It's like, why? We're the only mammal I can think of that is unclothed. And it goes back to the beginning. We were clothed with the glory of God. And then a fallen angel, and we'll just make his name simple, called Satan. And I always um, put a little S because I think people give him too much credit if you really want to know the truth. Our Lord has conquered him, and we should have victory and can have victory in this life. Sometimes it's a long wait. There's still things I'm waiting on. I don't know about you, but there's still things I'm like, God, I'm scratching my head. I don't really understand this. But if you come back today, Jesus, you will find me waiting to not be in pain. You will find me waiting to hear your good answer. You will find me waiting. There was a time that I prayed that I wouldn't be sad, and God answered that. I have no idea why I'm joyful all the time, but I really am like this at home. My kids will tell you 
the truth. Mom's really happy. It's kind of buggy, you know, but it, it's true. I mean, I am so excited about the word. I'm so excited about the Bible. I'm so excited about what Jesus can do in all of our lives, renewing you, restoring you, making you better than before, providing for you, linking you in with the people that he wants you to be with. And most importantly, loving you just loves you just the way you are right now. That was perfect. Just the way you are right now. Seriously, he loves you. And, and some of us are sitting here this morning going, you know, I don't, I don't really love me very much. You know, some of us are sitting here this morning going, gosh, I can't even think of the last time I even focused on God or, or I, I've just been so busy with life, this temporary life. And he's like, love you you know when your child keeps apologizing and apologizing and apologizing and you said it's okay i love you i love you he loves us so much so this little creature called satan who's a fallen angel who decided to disobey god and we don't understand all of that but it's written in scripture and we'll study it more He came into the garden and he was more subtle than any beast of the field. This is Genesis 3 verses 1. In which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Okay, I want you to see something right there. That's always what the enemy does. Did God really say? Did God? Did God really say in Jesus to, in John 10, 10, that you could have life and life abundant? Did God really say that he loved you? Did God really say? And that's how he tempts us. He tempts us to doubt God's word. He tempts us to doubt Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a good and perfect purpose for our lives. Good for a life for good plans for good and not for evil he tempts us to doubt as we go through trials and that's why you know we want to read the epistles which are like um all of these books written to us as god's people um a lot of them written by paul and um read ephesians read philippians read um colossians and read and get encouraged you know Because we need to encourage ourselves, no, God tells the truth. I don't care how long it's been. He tells the truth. It says to raise up a child in the way in which he'll go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And I'm holding on to that. No matter what I see right now. No matter what I hear right now. Hold on to God's word. So Satan comes, and he does the same thing. He's he's never changed. He says to the woman, basically, did God really say? Did God really say? And then he says to her in Genesis 3, 4, you can tell I like the King James, so I'm sorry if it's throwing anybody off. Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened. Yeah, they will be. And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You really want to know it? In other words, innocence lost. And then you read 
that the tree was good in verse 6. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was desired to make one wise. See, Eve forgot to go by her spirit and she started going by sight. And anytime we start going by sight instead of by faith, instead of by God's word, we're going to get in a lot of trouble. She saw that it was good. It looked pleasant. It was appealing. And besides, now she could like know more, you know? There are just times in our lives where you just shouldn't know more. What is it about evil that we're like, really? That's awful. Tell me more. I mean, but there's something about us. There's a fallen nature in us that God wants to grab hold of and say, you know, I want you to see and focus on good. How do you overcome evil? You overcome evil with good. And here's Eve, and she's like, well, I want to know more. I, I mean, that, if that doesn't sound like the first woman, I don't know what does. You know? Tell me more. And she does partake of the tree of good and evil and gives some to her husband. And I want to just stop right there because for the first time when I was going over this and studying this and also going, God, Genesis? Are you serious? We're going to go back to Genesis? Like, you don't think these people know that? And God was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to really show you something different. you got to just keep your eyes off of what you know and, and get your spirit involved. And I had to kind of tell my soul to shut up. Do you ever do that? I know I'm a three-part being. So a lot of times my spirit will be like, shut up to my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, which usually wants to run errands and cross things off my list instead of staying in the Word. There, there is a struggle that we have in being this three-part being. God is perfect, but our struggle is always with our body and our soul. You struggle if your body hurts. You struggle if your soul has been damaged. Nothing can damage a woman's soul more than a husband or a man. And God sees that, and he can heal that. Nothing can hurt a woman's soul more than seeing a child that's so unhappy. Imagine how God feels. I mean, he loves us so much. But here's what I saw in the Word. I'm so glad you're women. Well, I guess on the radio there'll be men and women, so sorry. Sorry, audio editor. Um, But women understand when you kind of go down bunny trails, and you're all with me, and it's so fun because women are just there. They're just with you, and and I can just be me and go down bunny trails. Men have to, like, learn to do that. They're like, wait, wasn't she talking about Satan a minute ago? And now she's talking about what what, what she can you clarify? but anyway, I think they can, I think they can get, get used to it. Most of them have gotten used to us. But look at something that I've never seen. Maybe you've seen it. God told Adam not to eat of the tree of good and evil and then created Eve. I read that to you on purpose earlier, and you might have thought, why is she reading that? Why is she jumping into that? Go back and read it. God created Adam, told him not to eat of the tree of good and evil, and then created Eve. So who told Eve not to eat of the tree of good and evil? Adam. And so, really, Eve doubted two people's words, since God is a person. 
a spirit and a person. She doubted God's word and she doubted her husband's word. It was like, you know, God kind of told my husband that, but I don't know. I mean, I see that this way is better. And um, I just want to tell you after 24 years of marriage that I have never doubted my husband's word, ever. And um, we, I have a perfect marriage. We never, ever um, have a fight. We, uh, we raise our voices only to be heard above our children. Um, okay, this was about 17 years ago. Perfect example. And you know what? You may be, you may be here going, you know, I don't have a godly marriage or a godly husband that I can be listening to. Oh, sister, God can talk through anybody. He can talk through a donkey. It's in the Bible. But you'll know in your spirit when you hear him, and you'll know because it'll always jive with his word. And, you know, I know that, that it's not real popular, but we are supposed to listen to our husbands, no matter what kind of character they are. And Lacey Witten, um, this is 17 years ago, um, we were going to take kids. I was running Campus Life at Alma Heights and working for Youth for Christ. And we were going to take um, all these teenage kids to Russia. And we had all of our money raised. And we'd gone in front of the mission board. And we'd talked to the kids' parents. And we'd worked it out with the translators. And we were so excited and, and planning, planning. I mean, something like that, you know, takes seven, eight months to plan. And then we were just about to go through um, our church mission board for the last time, and they wanted to just talk with us. And, and, and that morning, Lacey said, you know, I just don't feel very comfortable about Russia. I'm getting kind of, I don't know. I said, what, 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 what? He goes, I don't know. I'm just kind of losing my peace about it. And I was like thinking, do I always have to be the spiritual leader of this family? Seriously. I mean, I'm like, Okay, so what I do, I pray for him. He comes home that night. He's like, you know what? Cancel that meeting with the mission trip. And I said, cancel it. And you should have heard my cancellation. I wish it had been recorded because it would have been pretty funny. But it was like, um, my husband feels like not um, peace about Russia right now. And so we are postponing our trip. Yes, ma'am. No, I know that's good to be subservient. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I know I did the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm really happy about it. Well, I wasn't happy about it. And at that time in my life, um, I was really good at passive-aggressive stuff. I don't know if y'all are really good at it. I've, I've gotten not so good at it because I've been working and not getting good at it. But anyway, you know, you come home from work and I kind of just feel like, eh. And, you know, I just wasn't excited about things. I let him know that I didn't agree with him. I did not understand. I I just, it made me so upset. I even started feeling kind of sick in the morning. I would have been two months pregnant with Maddie Witten in Russia in a tiny, tiny town where you can't drink the water with a bunch of teenagers. Morning sickness with teenagers in Russia? Are you kidding? You know, Lacey just heard that from God. He didn't even know he heard that from God. He just got an inkling. And sometimes we need to realize that we not only doubt what God tells us, we doubt what our husband tells us. And the first time I saw this in Genesis, I saw Eve doubted Adam. That was really the first sin. You know what I'm saying? 
like doubt. Did God really say, hmm, it looks good. I think I'm going to go for it. Both of their eyes were opened after they ate of this fruit. And they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Um, I'm sorry, but I think that's funny. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's funny that, that the whole world fell into a fallen state or anything, but can you imagine sewing fig leaves together? And with what? I, I mean, seriously, with what? With some little vine you found? And then can you imagine what, what, it, what do they look like? I mean, I'm sure Adam was like, this is a little humiliating, you know. At least we could have found some rock or something. But, I mean, that's the way they were. They were ashamed. They were embarrassed. They knew their nakedness for the first time. And you know what I think happened? They ate of the tree of good and evil, and God lifted his glory off of them. That's what I think happened. See, God's glory was his mercy, and God's glory was his love, and they were underneath this covering of protection living basically heaven on earth and God lifts his glory from them and all of a sudden it's not just that they don't have clothes on it's that they're ashamed because they're naked because they know good and evil and so death becomes a reality for all human beings. God had told them, you shall not eat from this tree, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Have you ever said that to one of your kids? Like, I'm saying the stove is hot. I'm saying, don't go near it. I'm saying, don't touch it. And, and there was three of us girls, and if, if my mom said the stove is hot, I wanted to be like in the other room. I didn't want to get burned. I understood what she said, and I wanted to be in the other room. One of my sisters um, wouldn't go near it, but she would tell my youngest sister to go near it, who would touch it and get burned. And then they both were in trouble, and then somehow I would probably get in trouble too. Just because once two kids are in trouble, if you have three, why not just discipline them all? You know what I'm saying? And so we need to know our nature, though. God already knew. He loved us. He loved us, and he had to give us a choice, but he knew the curiosity. He knew the nature of himself that he put in us, but he also put in us our ability, our own ability to love him back. And so here we go. Death becomes basically the death of innocence and and the reality of physical death. They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I, hear, and I hid myself. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Had he ever been afraid before? I mean, that to me, fear is the opposite of love. Seriously, it's not hate the opposite of love. It's fear the opposite of love. Love trusts. Love never gives up. Love always overcomes. It's fear that can just take the life out of you. Fear that God's word really isn't true. Fear that your kids really aren't going to turn out right. Fear that 
someone you love is in, in trouble, fear. And fear, we're told in 2 Timothy 1.7, doesn't come from God. Now, Adam and Eve had no idea that their sin then had let in fear. But doesn't Adam, he's still so innocent. He sounds like a child talking to God. He's still so innocent, and yet fears come in. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So he gave them power, love, and a sound mind, and sin let in fear and shame and the knowledge of good and evil. But he's still so, like, unaffected. He It's just barely come in, but it's already starting to corrode human beings. But he sounds like a little boy to me because he answers correctly. You know how little kids say what they're really doing, you know? I'm washing the potty with my toothbrush, you know? I mean, they don't really know how to, like, you know, say the wrong thing and get out of things yet. And so he said, Adam said to God, well, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I mean, he's still so innocent. And he said, verse 11, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? And the man said, well, the woman gave it to me and she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what have you done? And the, and the woman basically said, the serpent beguiled me. And um, that still really happens in a lot of households today, you know. Something goes down and the woman blames Satan and the man blames the woman. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that ever happens in your house, but it's like, well, I think that it was her fault. And then, I don't know about you, but I'm always like, I think Satan is just really trying to take the peace out of our family. <laughs> Instead of me looking at myself going, wait a minute, maybe I need to like not listen to him and not fall into my old patterns or whatever. And to Adam also, and to his wife, the Lord God made coats of skins. He covered them immediately. Why? Because his glory had lifted off of them. They knew good and evil. They were ashamed. And the first thing God did, which should give us that signal of, of, of redemption, that first sign of redemption, is he covered them. And can you imagine? It says he covered them in animal skins. And I thought about that, and I thought, what if they had, you know, little lambs that, that were precious to them that were following them in the garden and Adam and Eve were now covered, dripping in the blood of the lamb just to cover their shame and nakedness. That lamb had to be sacrificed. That animal had to be sacrificed for their sin. Just as Jesus, the lamb of God, would one day be sacrificed for our sin forever. God is so good how he shows us from the beginning. You know, sometimes I have people say, I go and speak different places, and they're like, well, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they don't really even go together. Oh, my goodness gracious. Everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament. And then the New Testament confirms the Old Testament. And, and the more you know, the more you know you don't know, but the more you know he knows, you know? I didn't mean to say that, but that, that's pretty good. I want to say it again. <laughs> the more you know, the more you know you don't know, and the more you know he knows, you know? And that's actually a good feeling because it's really a bad feeling when we're depending on ourselves. I don't know about you, but 
I've gone through periods in my life of depending on myself. And it's horrible because you're your own God, you know, and you know who you really are. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm not that merciful. (laughs) This is not a good deal. God is so much better, so much bigger. And he already prepared a covering for them. Man's choice to sin separates the creation from the creator. And therefore, God sent him forth from the garden to till the ground whence he was taken. And so he drove out the man and he placed at east of the garden the Eden Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. They got kicked out of the garden. Their eyes were open to good and evil. And then they had two children. And then it was up to them to tell their children what God said. Because, you know, God no longer could walk with them in the cool of the day in the garden because they had sin. And God's perfect. He can't be around ugly darkness, the satanic forces. He's good and he's perfect in We're not, and they weren't after they knew of good and evil and after they started to hide from God. Have you ever tried to hide from God? (laughs) It doesn't work very well, you know? But I, I, I try to hide from him sometimes just by not checking in. I think that maybe he's busy with everyone else, and if I don't check in with him, he won't notice kind of what I'm not doing or doing. But he does. He's such a personal father. So Adam and Eve are out of the garden, and they have two children, Cain and Abel, and they have to tell Cain and Abel what God has told them. And if you go back into the covenant that God gave them, he basically told them, look, the ground is cursed. Man is going to have to toil by the sweat of his brow to get work, to be the provider And the woman's going to have um, pains in childbirth. That's just some of what he told them. So then it's up to Adam and Eve to tell Cain and Abel, the ground is cursed. God did a sacrifice for us with this precious animal to cover us. That's what we're covered with now and not his glory and there is good and there is evil. And Cain and Abel were well aware of what would please God. Sometimes we read the story of Cain and Abel and really it's um, basically the story of the first dysfunctional family. <laughs> I mean, do you ever just want to go, raise your hand if you're dysfunctional um, family. Hello. I mean, we're all dysfunctional because we can't function perfectly because we're in a fallen world, number one. Number two, we have people around us making poor choices. It's usually not us, of course. Number three, we make poor choices, although we don't always acknowledge it. And number four, stuff just happens. And we need God. So here's Cain and here's Abel and here's really the first example of of a young man wanting to go his own way. Because basically, Cain, I'm going to make sure I don't get him mixed up 
brought the fruit of the earth to God, knowing the earth was cursed, but that's what he did. He farmed the land, so he said, you know what, I know what kind of sacrifice God wants, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing. Sometimes we know the sacrifice God wants is just for us to forgive someone, but we're not going to do that, but we will give $200 to a good cause. And so Cain brings the fruit of the earth, which is cursed, and he knows it. But he's just kind of going, God, you know, I know what you want, but that's not what I'm going to give you. And then Abel brings the sacrifice that they were taught from young babies was accepted by God. A sad sacrifice, but a reminder of what covers you, what would cover your sin. He offers up. The sacrifice of an animal. And so God's pleased with Cain, I mean with Abel, but not with Cain. And I I like to look at verse 7 in Genesis 4. It says, if thou dost well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. In other words, if you do well, aren't you accepted by God? If you obey God, but if you don't, sin's just lying at your door to rule over you. And sometimes we want to do a different sacrifice to God than the one he's really asking for. He's really asking for our hearts. He's really asking for our lives. Oh, God, you can, um, you can have um, my Sunday mornings and you can have when I want to have a quiet time because I've got a new journal and it smells good when I open it. And you can have the time, Christmas mornings, but all the rest of the time, I'm going to be really busy, and I just need you to just come in. You know, you see the boat sinking, come on in, you know, save me. Otherwise, I'm the skipper, I'm the captain, it's fine. And that's our natural tendency, and God's like, no, I want your life. The sacrifice to God that's acceptable is a broken and contrite heart. Did you know that? A broken heart that just says, you know, God, I'm nothing. I'm little and you're big and I don't understand and my heart is broken and take it, fix me, help me, renew me, restore in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from thy presence, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. There's so much joy in salvation and knowing that we all are going to live forever. Those of us who love God and who have chosen God, again, choice, love is a choice. It has to be a choice. It has to be a choice. If you, if you made a friend love you, you would never. Who wants a robot for a friend? That's the whole problem. I used to think I would like a robot for a child. And then I realized, but then that, that robot would have to love me. It wouldn't be a choice. It's so awesome when your 16-year-old makes you a folder that says, Dear Mommy, while getting school supplies, I saw this folder immediately and thought of you because you've always loved butterflies and how much I love you and how much you mean to me. And I'm like, wow, because no one made her do that. 
She did have my credit card, and, and, and that's what she's. But she didn't have to buy that. Do you understand? Loving God is a choice, and when we love Him back, it's like He just, it's, it's amazing to Him. He feels so, He's your Father. And so there we see the first dysfunctional family, but we also see in verse 10 that in Genesis 4, God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out from the ground. You know what? If you remember nothing except for this when it comes to blood, when it comes to the Bible, remember life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. It's not an acceptable offering to offer God anything else but your whole flesh and body, soul and spirit. Life is in the blood. Restored life is in the blood. It's the blood of the lamb that gives us life and eternal life. Life is in the blood. I've often wondered why I've had 37 blood transfusions. 37. Do you know that that's like 222 people? Seriously. I mean, I've been, after all this, I crave like, you know, Taiwanese food and um, fried chicken and um, jello. I don't know what country that's from, but probably America, probably American teenager. But thank you for giving your blood. You know, I've thought about getting a tattoo. No, I'm, I'm just joking. Actually, I have thought about getting a tattoo. And I want you to know that you will not go to hell if you have a tattoo. Someone needed to hear that this morning. Okay? I just want to get that out of the way. So here we know that life is in the blood. And, you know, I asked God when I was having all these blood transfusions, I was like, Lord, this was the first time when I was having the 27 blood transfusions. Each one takes like a day. I want you to know that. That all of my blood has to go and, 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 and be completely, completely renewed with this redemptive blood that saves my life. And I was like, God, you know, if you're going to heal me from cancer, why, why 27 blood transfusions? And the Holy Spirit said really clearly to me in my heart, because I want you, Kathleen, to teach people that they need people. Me? Yes, the body needs the body. But see, I'm the least likely person to teach that because I'm fine. How are you? I don't really need your help. No, really. If you give me a gift, I'll give you a gift. If you call me, I'll call you back. I don't like to need people, but I need people. And if you don't learn anything else, I think I've already said that, but just know that you need people. And God made us that way. He said that we're all part of one body. And so we can't go into this Christian walk of like, it's me, the kids, the Bible. It's not going to work. I mean, it, you just, it's not going to work. We need people to pray with. We need people to love on us. We have people like that this morning. And if you want prayer for anything, um, if you want to offer prayer for Elizabeth's air conditioning, that would, that would be very accepted. Um, but if you want prayer for anything, I'm going to close in just a minute. I never know when I'm going to close or what's going to happen. I have, like, notes, but they don't mean 
a whole lot. His word means a lot. And I love it that God has something special to say to each one of us and that it's not from me to you, that it's from him to you, and that it's probably something that that I don't even remember saying and most likely something that I didn't mean to say. You know, if we love someone so much that we would die for them, how much more, God? This is a time in life, and I know it's kind of random, but we're being inundated with all of these different religions, and it's like, but God, these people over here, and they didn't know, or this person was in a bad place when she died, and she might not have, and that... If you're concerned, if you love that person so much, how much more, God? And it is through his son, the lamb, Jesus Christ, the blood. Life is in the blood. But I can't, I can't even believe, and I'm going to just blurt this out there, and then I'll close. But went to um, a, one, uh, just a, one of our church services, and they had a guy, a Muslim missionary, that he couldn't tell where he was a missionary in. Um, but if any of you remember Duran Duran, it was a song called Iran. Does anyone know? Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't. Elizabeth, where is the where is the laugh sign? Okay, thank you. And he was also in Iraq, but that was not for everyone's knowing. But he said, you know what I feel like right now? I feel like I'm not doing anything. I'm in this country, and all of these different people are having visions of Jesus, and they're coming to me and saying, who is this Jesus? Do you, as this little person, know everything that's happening all over the world? Do you understand God? Where were you when he made the oceans? How can you understand anything other than life is in the blood and he gave his blood for us and he loves everyone, everyone, everyone. And he's calling to each of us. And the other thing that life is in is in the word. And I just want to leave you with this scripture. Um, It's like my favorite scripture. Um, (laughs) I had somebody give me a big smile because they've been in Bible study with me before. And I say that about nearly every scripture I ever have. You know, they're like, oh, here's another favorite. Really? I mean, Proverbs 3, 5, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's hard for women. You know, rationalizing, analyzing, getting other people's opinion. Trust in what God says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That means, here I am at the grocery store, God. You know, if you need me, if there's anyone you want me to hug, you know, I'm available. In all my ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make my path straight. I don't know about you, but I hate bunny trails. And I hate feeling like, what are we doing? I love it that God will still take all my bunny trails and, and he promises to make them into something good because he says that he will have good to all those that love him and are called according to his purposes, that good will come out of even the bad decisions I've made. But God wants us to trust him. And then the scripture goes on to say in Proverbs 3, 5, I think it's verse 6, to guard your heart with all diligence. That's what he didn't do. 
for out of it come the issues of life. If there is one thing I could impress to teenagers, but even to you, is guard your heart. There's nothing great about knowing about evil. Guard it with all diligence. Guard what you hear. Guard who you hang out with. Guard what you say to yourself. Guard your heart with the word of God so you'll know what to let in and what to not let in. If Eve had guarded her heart, she would have said, you know, God didn't say that to me, but he said it to my husband. So, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and take the safe way. Guard your heart. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for speaking. I thank you because you're here. I thank you because you love us. I am humbled. And I pray because I know that I can pray in agreement with you for each one of these women, whatever it is, whatever their heart cry is, whatever it is. Lord, you hear, you care, and you have the power to do the impossible. All things are possible with God. Matthew nineteen twenty six, Luke one thirty seven. All things are possible with God. God, I just pray the impossible things over these women. I pray joy and truth and that you reveal yourself to them more and more, and to whoever is listening by radio, man or woman, that you would just reveal yourself more and more and more. Life is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you 